0: There's a growing societal consensus that human life is cheap. The evidence of this is in the contemporary North American culture, death is becoming our solution to society's problems. Is your pregnancy a burden? Then abort it. you being bullied at school? Then shoot them. Grandma and grandpa have Alzheimer's and are burdened to take care of? Then just simply euthanize them. If you're depressed and life looks hopeless, just commit suicide. We can multiply examples, but life is cheap now. Tonight on Sinners and Saints, we're going to be talking about abortion, euthanasia, and the Sixth Commandment. In an age
1: of moral bankruptcy, political sleaze, theological confusion, and aimless religion in a mindless church, we're addressing the need for a Bible-based, intellectually rigorous, 21st century Christian faith. This is Sinners and Saints, Theology with an Edge.
0: Hey, thanks for joining us tonight on Sinners and Saints. We're continuing on in our series on the Ten Commandments tonight, part two of our series on the Sixth Commandment, and we're going to be talking through the societal and social implications of this command, Thou Shalt Not Kill. And joining us as usual for our discussion is Reverend Moses Jambazian from Pasadena United Reformed Church and Reverend Adam Kalustian from Ontario United Reformed Church. And I'm John Sautel, pastor of All Saints Reformed Church. We said we're talking about the societal implications, and obviously you can't go too far into the societal implications of thou shalt not kill before you run into the whole issue of abortion. Of course, I probably don't need to tell most of you what a terrible blight this is. This is the silent holocaust in our generation, Uh, not only in North America, but really around the world. Recent estimates uh, put abortion performed since 1973 at nearly 50 million. It's a staggering figure. Uh, Just some quotes here from a USA Today article recently written says that your chances of being killed by terrorists overseas are 1 in 650,000. Your chances of being killed uh, through murder or various other uh, things in the city of Baltimore is 1 in 4,000. And your chances of being aborted if you're in the womb of an American woman is 1 in 33 It's almost hard and difficult to even speak about the proportions of this problem, but clearly in our society, one of the chief indicators of our devaluation of the human person and of human life and its dignity is this whole problem of abortion. Uh, What do we say about this issue today to to the church and to the society about
2: abortion here as it relates to the Sixth Commandment? Well, for some people, we need to actually convince them that this is a Sixth Commandment issue, that this actually goes under you shall not commit murder. Because for many people, it is argued in a manner that I would say is disingenuous at best, because it is made into a simply biological argument where they try to reduce it to uh, words that won't actually use the word baby or child until you have the fetus, which is just the Latin word for baby. But what they're doing is that they are trying to make you think of this in a sterile medical way and what we have to do is say no we're dealing with a reality every one of us began as the zygote the fetus whatever you want to call it it is a human being just in a much lesser developed state and therefore All the laws that apply to humans must apply to the child. Now, let me just pause on that. We want to get into
0: the biblical argument against abortion, but what do you think about using that kind of language as Christians even? Is it wise or even helpful for this whole debate and discussion to use the term fetus and apply it to unborn? It sounds to me very depersonal way, uh, impersonal way rather, of speaking about a living being. Just call it a fetus.
2: Well, again, it is... Just another way of saying baby. It depends on how you want to use it. But if you're going to engage in a discussion with someone, they're not going to allow you to call it a baby. So you're almost stuck with that if you're debating somebody who is pro choice. Right. Well, and let me.
3: That brings up another question about how, as Christians convinced that murder is abortion, we should interact with people in the culture and try to persuade them that abortion is murder. I mean, you know, one of the things you might not want to do. In the first place is open the Bible and start beating over the head of somebody who doesn't acknowledge the scripture at all when you're arguing, trying to convince them that abortion is murder. I mean, you may want to appeal to them with some of the biological arguments talking about the development of the baby within the womb before they are born, how much they are in common with just like the rest of us who have been born.
0: Yeah, for instance, uh, a fertilized egg has 46 chromosomes, the same number that a human being does have. The heart at 18 days is already formed and beating within the womb. Individual brain waves can be detected at 40 to 43 days. That's less than two months old inside uh, the pregnant woman. I mean, you could go on and on and talk about the various features and the details uh, of the human body, which are already being formed and taking shape within the womb. But we don't want to reduce this to a purely scientific argument or debate because you can't really solve it in that sense fully. You need broader philosophical, theological uh, assumptions being brought into the picture. But clearly, I mean, there is just staggering evidence scientifically to show that this is a human being. Look, and the heart of man, even though sinful by nature, knows this by
3: common grace. I mean, they know. How do, how do people treat in our culture premature babies when they're born? Well, very, very carefully. We have some of our most grand displays of technology and care in these hospitals that care for these preemies, right? They don't treat these young, premature birth babies any different than normal babies when they're born. What does that show? It shows that human life is important to these people. And just because the baby is outside the woman, and not inside in a premature, uh, not yet completely developed to nine months form does not mean that it has
0: less value. Hey, and in many states, uh, where children uh, that are unborn are killed by reckless uh, behavior by other human beings, that person who's responsible for that act is very often charged with ne- negligent homicide. The Law even recognizes and this is the irony of our situation. The law even recognizes that uh, that unborn person is a human being, and that it's pu- and and there are there should be consequences and punishments for people who. Uh, recklessly take that life, but at the same uh, token, you can go down and have that baby aborted, and that's perfectly legal with no fines, no punishments, no penalties. Well, we could go through all these kinds of evidence all day, but the most important is the biblical evidence and the theological evidence. When we come back after the break, we're going to take you through some biblical texts which show that the Bible clearly views the unborn as humans, as human beings, uh, who are people who are sacred in the sight of the Lord.
1: This is Sinners and Saints, Theology with an Edge. Are you looking for a church that values the Word of God and
3: the rediscovery of its riches in the Protestant Reformation? Hi, I'm Pastor Adam Kalustian. I want to invite you to join us at the Ontario United Reformed Church. We worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. and 5.30 p.m. Take the Euclid Avenue exit off the 60 Freeway. Go north one block to Philadelphia Street. Turn right and you'll see us. That's the Ontario United Reformed Church,
0: 866-99-UNITED. All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. In other words, what Paul is saying is that if you want to be wise unto salvation and learn to live for God's glory, you need the Word of God. And that's why I'm inviting you to come worship with us at All Saints Reformed Church. Hi, my name is Pastor John Sotell. I'm pastor of All Saints Reformed Church out in Walnut, California. We can't promise you you'll be entertained with high-energy music or thrilling performances or exciting worship or trendy programs, but we will promise you that you'll get the Bible. Because in our worship, we read the Bible, we sing the Bible, we pray the Bible, and we preach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. If you want to come to know God through His Word and to grow in His grace and knowledge, then we invite you to worship with us at All Saints Reformed Church. For more information, call us at 909-319-3479. That's 909-319-3479. Or check us out on the web at allsaintsreformed.org. Hey, thanks for joining us here after the break on Sinners and Saints. We're tackling the whole abortion question from uh, the angle of the Sixth Commandment, Thou shalt not kill, clearly. Clearly the Bible does view the unborn child as a human being whose life deserves to be protected and preserved by all means possible. We want to get into the biblical arguments here, which would support uh, the idea that abortion is murder. I think, Adam, you had a text here from the Old Testament. That's very relevant to this. Right, Exodus
3: 21, and this comes from a series of applications of the Ten Commandments to the day-to-day life of Israel. I'll read from Exodus 21 beginning at verse 22. It's a case law. It says, okay, here's a situation where two men are fighting and they hurt a woman who is pregnant with a child so that she gives birth prematurely, yet no lasting harm follows. The man shall surely be punished accordingly as the woman husband imposes on him and he shall pay as the judge is determined. So you get the picture here. Two men are fighting and one of the consequences or the side effects of the fight is that a woman who has a child is injured. Well, when the baby is born prematurely, if the baby is healthy, then all the judges will impose on the man who hurt the woman is the penalty for hurting the woman, for being careless in this violence that extended to hurt an innocent bystander. But verse 23 says, But if any lasting harm follows, then you shall give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. And the point there is that if there is damage... To this baby, because of the irresponsibility and the violence of this man in this fight, then the damage that was caused to that baby shall be imposed on the man who caused the damage to the baby in the first place. Why? Because the baby's value is the same as any other human being. The point of this passage that you have to understand is this principle, life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, applies in the case of a murder or a physical damage to any other human being. So the point here is that an unborn child that is forced out of the womb has the same value as a regular man or woman who's hurt in society.
0: Now what's important to to notice here about this text is it does not make any kind of distinctions in terms of the age or the viability of this unborn child. It's a very categorical kind of a law, which says any unborn child who is harmed in this process... Um, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth to the a person. S- liable right. to the same amount of punishment under the law. Even though it's not a voluntary case, it's still a, a principle text you can go to to say that God does value the life, highly values the life of unborn children. To the same degree as he values any other
3: life that's born into the world and is at an advanced age.
2: And this principle, of course, exists because of the whole creation story that we have, which is that we are made in the image of God and Though someone might not bear that image in a manner that we can see, such as the unborn in the womb of the mother, or someone's image may be greatly marred because of handicaps, accidents, whatever else it may be, they have not ceased to bear that image, and therefore their value is calculated by God before he created them. And that's the image that we have to have of them as well. Psalm 139, always a passage that is used here. You formed my inward parts, you wove me in my mother's womb. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. Here you have the psalmist affirming, I know that I am your special creation, made in your image, made in my mother's womb. And my manhood, my being a human being was antecedent to my exit from the womb and my breathing. It is while I am created. Now, somebody's going to say, okay, but none of these texts
0: seem to really indicate that voluntary abortion is in view. They may refer to the dignity or the quality of life. They may refer to what happens uh, when there's this sort of involuntary manslaughter situation, but they don't really treat of the specific case that we're dealing with here in contemporary North America, and that is the voluntary abortion of an unwanted uh, child. But you have to remember that these laws are consistent with the broader context. You can go back to other cultures at, at the same time uh, of these when these scriptures were written. For instance, uh, Syria and different places, there were laws against abortion. In fact, abortion was considered so disgraceful to not only that person but the entire community that when a woman was caught voluntarily aborting her child, she was... Uh, she was not only penalized, but she was put to death by the state, and then her body was impaled and hung out in the fence before all of the community to view and see because it was considered a great shame and disgrace to kill your children. And these are pagans. These are not Bible-believing, Jewish, not
3: God-following fundies. people. These are pagans who have, by common grace, the basic dignity for human life that we don't have. And as Christians, we ought to be justly angry with this kind of disgusting murder of these wonderful gifts of God that he has made in his own image and placed in the womb. And we should not treat them like trash, but protect them and
0: value them as we are instructed to do. Well, clearly scripture prohibits it, but every time you get into this argument, there's going to be people who say, okay, maybe scripture says all those things and affirms even the right to life. But then immediately they want to bring up the test cases that prove that the rule is not as cut and dried and as simple as we'd like to say it is. So they're going to bring up – one of the first thing they're always going to bring up is, okay, what do you do in the case of rape or incest? Is abortion, uh, is abortion legal and the, or justifiable in those cases? Well, rape and incest,
3: two examples where we do not want to downplay the extreme depravity of that and the emotional and physical damage done to the – victim uh, who has been raped or who has been abused sexually and now is pregnant but two wrongs don't make a right we don't kill someone else uh, to alleviate a problem let me give you just a story that helps illustrate this imagine that there are two guys standing on the street corner and a drunk driver swerves off the road and runs them over and kills both of them now that's a terrible tragedy the loss of those two lives but is it any less of a tragedy If one of those two was the product of a rape or is the product of incest, incest, not at all. Both of those human lives had dignity and value. They, although through the sin of man, came into the world as a consequence of sinful actions, the Lord is still created that man or that woman in the womb. And that person has dignity because
0: they are a life made in the image of God. And we should not put these people to death. Okay, we come back after the break. We're going to take on a few more of these criticisms of abortion, these challenge cases of abortion. So stay tuned with us on Sinners and Saints.
2: There is no greater joy in the Christian's life than to worship God according to his word. And there is nowhere better in the San Gabriel Valley to do this than at the Pasadena United Reformed Church. So come join us this Sunday at 9 a.m. and at 6 p.m. at 226 West Colorado Boulevard in Arcadia. You can call us at 866-99-UNITED or look us up on the web at sinnersaint.org.
4: Americans are known for their independence and self-reliance. We take little stock in other people's opinions. Americans want to examine and form our own conclusions about everything. And if something isn't to our liking, we'll fix it. These characteristics have served us well in casting off monarchies and taming the wild frontier. But are they really the best qualities for building Christ's church? At Grace Evangelical Church, we think one thing our culture doesn't need to reinvent are the tried and tested truths of Orthodox Christianity. We take delight in the faith of our fathers, in the biblical truths captured by the three forms of unity. We believe the truths of the Reformation gospel of justification by faith alone are the only solution for the multitude of problems that face America today. We invite you to come worship with us at Grace Evangelical Church. For more information, you may contact us at area code 310-782-7019. That's 310-782-7019.
0: All right, we're back here after the break, and as we told you, we're going to get into some more of the criticisms or challenges of this, um, of, of the opposition to abortion. We talked about how, you know, people are going to say, well, you know, it's fine to say in principle that abortion is murder, but in cases of rape or incest, you know, you've got to concede that there should be some liberty for women to have abortions. And we said, no, that's not the case. We have to accept God's providence and move on with that the situation. Other people are going to say, well, okay, fine, you can sit here in theory and say that, well, uh, we should be opposed to abortion, but what if I just don't have the financial resources? What if I don't have the emotional capability or psychological capability or the rational capability to take care of this child? Wouldn't it be better not to bring it in the world then? Yeah, Moses, you're, you're bringing this child into the world for a
3: lifetime of suffering.
2: Well, the reality is that, especially in the United States, there is a large number of people who want to adopt, and there is a shortage of babies for them to adopt. So part of what we would do is we need to streamline the adoption process so that these people can get these babies. And and the other thing is that you look at most poverty-stricken nations, they have multiple children. And the problem is there is a lack of food, but here we don't have that problem. So we can help. We can do diaconal ministry. We can do things to make sure that every child is receiving the necessary care that they need. And hey, there's a
0: lot of places out there that if you are a single... Uh, unwed mother who is pregnant there are many christian organizations charitable organizations out there will even take you in and provide you food clothing shelter medical treatment absolutely everything you need and if you're in that condition and you want to know more about where to go you call us at 866 999 we can point you to some places where you can get help they're not it's not hopeless and you're not helpless in this situation there are other people who are willing to stand up and are prepared to help through a situation. So we cannot use this as a reason for why it would be legitimate or justifiable uh, to go ahead with an abortion. But there's another angle on this and that people are going to bring up, and that is, okay, well, if you're going to say that abortion is really murder, it's really wrong, then why don't you take it seriously then? Why aren't you out there with shotguns standing in front of abortion clinics? Why aren't you bombing abortion clinics? Why aren't you doing everything within your power to prevent the needless, Uh, taking of human life. Right. People have
3: challenged me personally on this. They said, well, you believe abortion is murder. I don't think you're consistent. If you believed abortion was murder, you would be doing something more about it than you are. You would be taking up arms and fighting a war against people who are basically committing genocide all around you in the society. And our answer to that is that, first of all, we might have to consider that if we believed and were convinced that in order to protect these lives and these lives would be spared— by taking up arms to protect them. But, you see, that's a different question. I don't personally, for example, believe that we lessen abortion in any sense of the word by taking immediate vengeance on those who are committing this aborticide in their clinics. At this time in history, in our culture at least, abortion is so prevalent that it takes a lot more education and instruction and awareness to prevent abortions, and to get a swing back toward valuing life than it would to take up arms at this point. In other words, I don't think we could win a war right now against abortion on demand, even if we decided to fight one. That's why I won't take up, take up
0: arms against it, at least not right now. So should we say that you're not putting your money where your mouth is? If you're not willing to go stand up and, and not just simply pick it, but even physically forcibly stand the way to prevent these abortions, are, are we just purely hypocritical and just talking out of both sides of our mouth?
2: No, one of the things that has to be considered is that while Scripture condemns murder, and that's why we're looking at the Sixth Commandment and abortion in light of this, we are saying it is the taking of human life, however small or however incapable, because we'll also deal with euthanasia. What you're saying is that Scripture doesn't give, however, to us the exact template of how we are to resolve this in society. It says for believers to understand that they are guilty of this sin of murder in the heart and our intention, and here we're talking about one particular manifestation of it, But the political solution is not necessarily going to be uniform among all people. And to impose that on others is, I think, to go beyond scriptural warrant and beyond your rights to tell someone how they must oppose this scourge. Now, Christians are not very good at this, so we need to be real
3: clear about what we're saying here. There is a difference between the moral law of God, which as Christians we understand is clearly revealed in the Word, and then the proper political or societal application of following those laws. So there are Christians who may, even the three of us sitting around this table, who all affirm very strongly that abortion is murder, but we all may have differences about the best political approach to lessen
0: these abortions, to protect the lives of unborn infants, and that's acceptable. Well, let's throw one on the table, which is one that's the most commonly pursued avenue, at least I think today, among a lot of evangelicals in the political arena, and that is to to pack the courts with so-called pro-life judges. Is this something that Christians can tangibly do to strive for uh, the ending of abortion in our country?
2: Again, it's a yes and no subject. The question is, do you affirm that the central government has this amount of power? Are you more of a states' rights person? Do you believe that it would be good To have so much power that these things can be regulated by the government, believing that abortion is the greatest and the only evil. Or are there other evils that you would uh, that you're concerned about? So you don't want so much centralized power, even though it hurts this one particular cause. Right.
3: Or the question of do you really think that a vigorous law against abortion will decrease the amount of abortions or maybe will that produce more so-called back alley abortions? Now, I'm not saying, arguing for one case or the other on the air in the name of the Lord. My point is that these are political questions that Christians who agree that abortion is murder should feel free to discuss and to try to come to consensus in their society about
0: how to lessen abortions. Hey, this is a huge topic, but at the end of the day, what we want to say is abortion is murder. It is a violation of the Sixth Commandment, thou shalt not kill. That's what God's Word says. We want to thank you for joining us tonight on Sinners and Saints. By the way, if you want to get in touch with us, call us at 866-99-UNITED, 866-99-UNITED, or contact us on our website, sinnersaint.org.
1: Join us next week as we tackle more topics with the truth of God's Word on Sinners and Saints, Theology with an Edge. For more information, call 866-99-UNITED or log on to the web at urcsocal.org. That's 866-99-UNITED.